uh, grateful that uh, Pastor Bob uh, invited me to come and uh, share with you this morning. Uh, let me just uh, ask a couple of questions. The, the Lord's table is here. Am I responsible for that? No. no. Okay. Well, I could, but I just wanted to ask, okay? <laughs> Does that happen before or after the message? Must be after. All right. Cool. Cool. Just want to get the lay of the land. I'm, Judy and I serve with Avant Ministries. You, you wouldn't know Avant or Avent Advent. Avant uh, used to be Gospel Missionary Union. That might be a, a more familiar word. And, and it is a worldwide mission. But uh, Judy and I do pastoral care uh, in Mexico and in South Texas. So we, uh, we have a circuit of cities uh, where missionaries are around Mexico City. And we go a couple times a year there and see everyone individually. And then we go to, down to Rio Grande Bible Institute down in McAllen, Texas. Uh, Rio Grande Bible Institute is a Bible college uh, designed to train Spanish speakers. So they've got students from all over Latin America. And a number of our missionaries are faculty down there. And so we, we have a connection down there as well. So pastors or missionaries, just like everybody else, need pastoral care. So we have an opportunity to encourage and to pray with and uh, uh, we are thoroughly enjoying uh, this uh, season uh, of ministry. Uh, as has been said, I've served as a pastor uh, for about 30 years, the last 25, or well, more than 30, the last 25 uh, over in Mesquite at Lake Ridge Bible Church. We've been uh, retired from there about five years now. Uh, and adjunct faculty uh, at the seminary. That, not exactly adding junk, but part-time, you know, part-time at, at the seminary. And I'm still involved in, uh, in doctor of ministry classes. We, uh, we are so pleased to be here, uh, and uh, I love this passage of Scripture that we're going to uh, talk about this morning. Uh, it, it fits very nicely that the world that we live in. I mean, I think we would all agree that we live in very, very troubled times. Uh, that there, there is a deep, deep divide here in the United States, uh, uh, socially, racially, politically, and, and religiously. It's hard to think of another time in our history, when, other than the Civil War, perhaps, that we were, we were this divided. Uh, but uh, in, in my memory, it reminds me a bit of the turbulent times of the 60s. Now, I can, many of you are the same vintage that I am, so I mean, you remember those times as well. I mean, uh, anti-war demonstrations, uh, civil rights demonstrations, assassinations, uh, the, the counterculture movement, uh, it, was, uh, it, it was a troubled time. Uh, some of you will remember that uh, there was a song written at that time that, that that spoke to the needs of that time, what the world needs now. <laughs> First written by uh, Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Uh, Jackie DeShannon uh, recorded it in 1965, but then the one that really took off was Dionne Warwick's version in, in 1966. Uh, I was a freshman in college uh, then. Uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. Well, it was a little bit presumptuous because if you listen to the song carefully, it was a prayer. Listen, Lord, if you want to know. I mean, imagine telling God what the world needs. But 
It may have seemed like a too simplistic an answer for those troubled times, but even in our troubled times, uh, it, still as it still is just as applicable. What the world needs now is love. Now, not, not, not romantic love, clearly, but love with a capital L. God's love. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ. His love that, that can transform and change the world. Uh, now, in English, uh, love is a pretty fuzzy word. We can love our moms and love pizza, you know. I'm, but but a, a biblically literate congregation like y'all, uh, notice I, I said y'all. Judy doesn't say y'all very much. Uh, she's from New Zealand. So uh, you, you all could tell me the, the three words in Koine Greek that, that define love, right? Well, the first one is eros, meaning romantic love. And then you're, you're familiar with Philea or phileo, which is brotherly love, but the love that we're talking about is agape love, exactly right. Unconditional love, God's love, the way God loves us. God demonstrates his love for us. He, he shows his love for us that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He loved us so much that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He loves us so much that he's made us alive in Christ. Well, God's love, the, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ lived out through the Lord Jesus in his time on earth and the way he loves us now is what the world needs. <laughs> well, the Apostle Paul uh, went to Great Lakes to define agape love, and that's what we find in our passage here. Uh, you probably already have turned there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, verse 4 begins, love is patient and love is kind. And if we've already heard it read, so I won't read it again, but you'll notice there that in the following verses, we get eight things that love is not. And, and then we get four things that love always does. Hey, what the world needs now is what love always does. The first thing that love always does is that love always protects. Uh, the word there in the, in the Greek text, in case you're interested, is stego. Uh, your translation, your Bible, might say love bears all things. Yeah. <clears throat> they, that word stego is used several times in the New Testament uh, to refer to a ship at sea, the roof of a house, or, or soldiers on the wall of a, of a fortress. Well, a, a ship at sea, that it bears the brunt of the storm. A, a roof of the house, it, it bears the effects of weather. Would have kept the rain out this morning. Uh, ship, roof, soldiers. Soldiers bear the brunt of the battle. But just as easily, uh, you could see that a ship protects the cargo and the passengers. Uh, a roof protects those uh, under it from uh, the effects of the weather. And soldiers protect the fortress and those inside. Love protects all things. 
Protection is a natural result of love, isn't it? We, we protect or want to protect the ones that we love, the things that we love. Husbands protect wives. Parents protect children. You know, even, uh, even big brothers protect little sisters. Uh, you might, uh, you might, might remember uh, that uh, in July of 2020, there was a news story that uh, little, uh, little Bridger Walker was six years old at the time, and he and his sister were playing outside, outside their home in Montana, and suddenly a of angry, vicious dog was charging right at uh, Bridger's little sister without hesitation. Bridger stepped in front of his sister and took the full brunt of that, that dog's rage. He protected his sister until he was rescued from that dog by adults. It cost him 90 stitches. But he protected his little sister. And he said later, he said, he thought, well, if, if somebody was going to die, it ought to be him, not her. Love protects. But just as an aside, you can look up Bridger's picture in, online today, three years later, and he's completely healed. Uh, love protects. We protect the ones that we love. Uh, we protect uh, reputation. Now, more than danger, we protect reputation, protect from gossip. Uh, we protect also by setting boundaries. And that's what God's word does for us. It sets boundaries. This is falling down. I'm, I, I could tell you can't hear me very well. Let's try this one, all right? This is right. This is wrong. This is the path of righteousness. This is not. In love and in grace, God's Spirit brings consequences to bear when we step outside of the boundaries and draws us back into a place of blessing from a place of discipline. Uh, God's love protects. He watches over us. Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, protects us, provides for us. He, uh, he protects our reputation. He loves us uh, till the very end. Uh, love always protects. How, how is it that we can apply that? How can we demonstrate the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in the communities where we live in that aspect? How can we protect? Well, perhaps it is by, again, showing what's right and what's wrong by setting a good example, by standing up for the things that are right and standing against things that are wrong, but being able to disagree but not being disagreeable, uh, demonstrating in, in love and in graciousness, you know, uh, through our example, this is what it means to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to reach out to others in love. And that often gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. Clearly, that's, that's love that protects. Well, love not only protects, uh, but it also hopes. Love always hopes. It, uh, it never gives up. <laughs> uh, it, it never becomes so discouraged that it, it throws his hands in the air and walks away. Uh, love always hopes for positive change, always trusts uh, 
and believes the best. You know, uh, that's pretty counterculture in these days, believing the best of others. It, again, back in the 60s, a survey was taken uh, that asked, can you generally trust people or should you just not be too careful? You just can't be too careful. Well, in the 60s, the, the majority of folks thought, yeah, people generally can be trusted. Well, that has shifted over the years until today. You can't be too careful. That's what the majority opinion. And yet, if we're to love like the Lord Jesus does, we are to trust. Trust is the opposite of being pessimistic or cynical, always thinking the worst of people. No, we, we should try to think the best of people, uh, to always hope for the best. But uh, that's not gullible trust. The Lord Jesus, in the way he evidenced love, uh, wasn't gullible. He wasn't deceived when Judas kissed him and identified him. But Jesus was always ready to give another chance, to give another opportunity. Uh, love always trusts, trusts for the best, always hopes for the best. Jesus trusts and believes for the best in you. He trusts you. Uh, he shows grace and is always ready to give you and me another opportunity. It never gets discouraged. How can we evidence that kind of trust? Well, I think we show grace, don't we? We forgive and, and start again. Uh, you know, the parable from Matthew 18 where uh, Peter asks, how many times should we forgive? Lord, seven? Thinking he's being pretty generous there. And the Lord Jesus says, no, Peter, 70 times seven, or at what he's meaning is limitless forgiveness. Easy to say, but hard to do, hard to do. You know the old expression, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Well, that, that's beginning to be cynical. And we, I can be guilty of, of being cynical, of, of not trusting. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, Love is one of the fruits of the Spirit, is it not? In fact, it's the first one mentioned, and it's agape love. It's a quality that the Lord Jesus gives to us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that grows and matures. Uh, so, even when trust has been violated, uh, we're not to give up, but to try again. Uh, we, we can be wiser, uh, but not give up. And that's why from trust, he moves to hope. Love always hopes. Hope never gives up. Hope always uh, looks for positive change. We, uh, we have hopes for our children and our grandchildren. Uh, we our hope, though, is not in individuals, but our hope really is in the Lord Jesus, isn't it? In his power and in his love and in his grace that, that keeps working and producing the characteristics that we long to see. You know, one of the great verses about hope is back in one of my favorites, back in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The Apostle Paul in, in Romans uh, gives us a benediction that's filled with hope. Uh, in Romans 15 and verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope that doesn't disappoint, but hope that's centered in God's love and in his grace, in that transformational grace. One of the great uh, literary illustrations of transforming grace uh, comes from Victor Hugo's novel of the, written in the uh, 19th century, in the 1800s, entitled Les Miserables. I, I never can say that correctly. It looks like Les Miserables, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, the story is of Jean Valjean. Uh, for stealing a loaf of bread uh, to feed his family, he is sentenced to prison. Released from prison, he's given a passport that identifies him as a former convict. And as a result, he is shunned by everyone and everything. Can't find shelter, can't find food. He is rejected. He is about to give up uh, and leave this one town when someone says to him, try the bishop. And so he goes to the bishop's house. The bishop greets him and welcomes him and invites him in. Jean Valjean is right up front and says, Bishop, you can see by my passport that it's yellow, and that's enough to get me kicked out of every place I've been. And the bishop says, sit down, my son. Rest yourself. Dinner will be served presently, and your bed will be made. You're welcome here. Well, I... He was fed. He had a clean and dry place to sleep. But Jean Valjean was desperate. He had no hope for the future. And so he repaid the bishop's kindness by arising before dawn and stealing the silver service from the table and sneaking out of the house. A gendarme sees him, leaving the bishop's house in the dark, looking suspicious and apprehends him and takes him back to the bishop. Well, he is certain, Jean Valjean is certain that he's headed back for prison. Uh, but the bishop says, why? Why, that, that silver service was a gift. In, in fact, Mr. Valjean, you've forgotten the very best part. And he gives him two precious silver candlesticks. Jean Valjean experienced unconditional love, <laughs> experienced God's love through the actions of the bishop, and it gave him hope. And as a result, his life was transformed. God's gracious love has transforming power. Now, we have an opportunity to, uh, to love others to show God's love uh, and display God's love uh, to those around us. Well, love always protects, love always hopes, love always protects, trusts, hopes, and always perseveres. Uh, 
it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Love can face rejection and opposition, insult and injury. Why? Why can this kind of love persevere through that? Because it's unconditional. God's love doesn't love in order to get. Unconditional love. Doesn't love in order to get love back, to get approval back, to get appreciation back, to get thanks back. No, 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 no matter what, God's love perseveres. Unconditional love. Uh, the phrase, until death do us part, begins to give us a sense of what unconditional love is. Love never stops loving. Uh, Jesus perseveres. Uh, his love perseveres in us. Uh, and by grace, it perfects until we see him face to face. Because we, when we see him, John says, we'll be like him. Uh, it's because he always completes the work he begins. His love never fails for you and for me. Uh, always, always perseveres. Uh, we've already said that Judy is a New Zealander, uh, still a New Zealander. She uh, carries a New Zealand passport. All of her family lives in New Zealand, and now mine too. Our youngest son and uh, his two little boys and wife live in New Zealand as well. Uh, until uh, January of 2021, Judy's mother was uh, still living. Uh, Judy has three uh, younger brothers there and their families as well. But because 2021 was a time of COVID, there were travel restrictions and we couldn't get to the funeral. Uh, so we participated by sending a video that was played during the family memory, memories part of the funeral. And we were able to watch the funeral live online. I'll never forget what the pastor said uh, who took the service. He knew Mum uh, McDonald, and he had visited her uh, just a few days before she died. And at her bedside, he read to her from the Living Bible part of Romans 8. And uh, verse 35 in the Living Bible comes out a question. He read, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And before he continued on, mom said, no. <laughs> Nothing can separate us. Here she's 99 years old, all right? Well, he continued to read. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? Mom again answered, no. She was secure in Christ's love. Uh, Mom knew uh, that uh, his love is unfailing and persevering. And with Paul, she could say these words, and I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears uh, for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, 
nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. How can Jesus love us this way? Because really, this is a description of, of his perfect love, isn't it? Well, it's part of his nature. I mean, God is love, right? Uh, but, but I think also, the Lord Jesus knows who you will be one day, who I'll be one day. When one day we are stand before him, perfected in the beloved, able to reflect back to him his glory. That's why he, uh, he always protects, he always trusts, he always hopes, he always perseveres. Because he knows the, the end from the beginning. Uh, that's why he called us to himself, so that we could be with him for all eternity. Well, we look at that kind of love and, and know that he's asked us to love God with our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbors. And we fall short. We fall short. It's comforting to know that it's, that kind of love is not a qualification for salvation, but a consequence of our salvation. That each of us could love better, love more, uh, but we don't get very far in our own strength, do we? No, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that produces Christ's love in our hearts and lives uh, that we can demonstrate to others. Uh, so, so let's this week, what do you say? Do better, love more. How does verse 4 uh, begin again? Uh, let's see, doesn't it say uh, love is patient and love is kind? What a good place to begin, you know? How about asking the Lord... Lord, help me be, to be patient and kind, to show more patience, more kindness this week as a start. Uh, well, I need it when I'm on the freeway, uh, I, especially on 635. Patient and kind, to be patient and kind. Uh, and in that way, uh, begin to evidence the love of the Lord Jesus to those around me. Because what the world needs now is love, Christ's love. What the world needs now is what Jesus always, always does. He forgives. He cleanses. He sanctifies. He transforms and conforms us into the image of himself so that we can show God's love, because that's what the world needs now. Amen? Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, an opportunity to look briefly into your word. Thank you, Father, for the encouragement that we receive uh, from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Uh, help us to demonstrate what love always does, what your love always does in our lives, Help us, Father, to reflect that to others.
Help us, Father, to be, appreciate that love and, and uh, to love you back, even though your love is unconditional. Help us, Father, to uh, walk before you in such a way that people know that we've put you first and uh, that they can see the love of the Lord Jesus in us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.